tell me more about how his eyes look, Simon. It's almost <laughs> as if Simon enjoys being chastised by Baz or something. Like, is this how you describe your enemies? It's really not. Hot. Yeah, like, basically. <laughs> I feel like I just want to be, like, quote-unquote enemies for every time we bring up Baz. You want to get sexy? Yeah, let's get to the sexy stuff. Hello and welcome to Escape from Reality, a podcast where two queer IRL witches read Wayward Son by Rainbow Rowell and talk about it. I am Lark Malachi Gray. And I am Jesse Blount. And today we are talking about chapters four, five, and six of Wayward Son. And as a reminder to all of our listeners, we are going to be spoiling all the next two books of the series. So if you have not read Any Way the Wind Blows yet, you might want to stop this episode and come back to us once you do. Yeah. You want to tell us about what happens oh, in yes. these chapters? <laughs> I, sure, I sure do. Um, so chapter four, uh, Agatha, who is, like many of us, not calling Penny back because text messages are the superior communication form. Um, <laughs> mainly, though, the whole breaking up with the world of mages means attempting to friend pick up with Penny who, in Earth's side determination, is not letting Agatha friend pick up with her. <laughs> Agatha does have one new normal friend, Ginger, who is hot and unfortunately in a cult. Sorry, Agatha, you should have just gone to Burning Lad. Uh, chapter 5, Baz. Baz is meeting Simon at the airport for their America trip, which is, I feel like, another sign of their deteriorating relationship. Uh, Simon is trying not to be suspicious, with his wings magicked away, but he's still a little awkward, especially when some random homophobe gives him and Baz a look once Baz puts his arm around him. Thankfully, Penny has arrived, the awkwardness is temporarily dissipated, and they're about to go. Chapter 6, Simon. Simon is full of anxious energy because he's never been on a plane before, and because he's kind of enjoying not having his wings in the way, and also enjoying being close to Baz without some dumbass homophobe being weird about it. And with that, we're going to enter. Easy come, easy go. Easy come, easy go, where we talk about everything that doesn't go anywhere else. Agatha's drinking the grossest tea. Why is this also my first thing? Because <laughs> <laughs> it's so gross. Uh, Agatha is drinking vanilla mint Earl Grey, which sounds like a like a literal travesty. It sounds like something from Trader Joe's and like a travesty. And it's made worse by the fact that it has skim milk in it. <laughs> yeah, I just, I, I feel like mint is a flavor that should be used sparingly. And I think vanilla Earl Grey sounds fine. You're like halfway to a London fog at that point. But vanilla mint Earl Grey just sounds like you just should have drank coffee. I don't even like coffee. And I would have been like, oh, actually. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think because I didn't put it separately, I want to make sure that we also note the part where uh, Agatha's like, in the US, you can't get full fat milk to put in your fucking tea. Which I guess is probably not in the U.S. It's like in California, maybe. Because you should at least be able to get a little tiny shelf-stable cylinder of half. And half. I'm about to say, I feel like a lot of the fancy coffee shops here in Michigan have 
are more likely to have half and half or milk than they are to have a decent milk alternative. Even though if it's like a like a hip fancy coffee shop, it'll definitely have like an almond or a soy or like an oat. But there's definitely always dairy because the Midwest loves its dairy. Mm-hmm. Not that I think Agatha should have moved to the Midwest because why would you? <laughs> no. No. She's trying to escape that uh, dreary London weather. Yeah. Definitely the Midwest is not the place to go. Mm-hmm. All right. Yes. What do you have? Nothing Nothing makes me laugh more than Burning Lad. I just, I don't know if like <laughs> Burning Man is a copyrighted thing. And that's why Rimmel Rao was like, I don't want to actually say Burning Man. But calling it Burning Lad is very funny to me. It's so silly. <laughs> is, is, is it like... You have to be able to say Burning Man, right? I don't I don't know. It seems it seems weird like it, it seems weird that it would be a copyrighted phrase considering I think it was started by a bunch of like just straight up weirdos. I don't, but like this is also whenever this book was published like what like 6 years ago or something? No, this is really recent. I mean, it's so much more popular among rich people now, so I don't know if that has changed things. Um, I did not Google this. This came out in 2019. Yeah, I mean, the past couple of years, it's been very much like, apparently like all of the tech bros in like San Francisco leave to go to Burning Man the week of Burning Man. And I'm like, oh no. It, of course they It do. used to just be a bunch of weirdos doing drugs in the desert. And now it's a bunch of rich people doing drugs in the desert. <laughs> like they don't have the whole desert to do drugs in. Or like literally anywhere else in this country to do drugs in. So. Yeah. Um, I just feel like... I mean, let's choose one that is definitely copyrighted, like Lollapalooza or Bonnaroo. I still feel like you could write in your book that your character was going to go to Bonnaroo. Right. Or like like Coachella or something. Yeah. I don't know. It it is still funny, honestly. It's very funny. (laughs) What if we imagine that it's just that Agatha is refusing to call it burning man and is calling it burning lad because she's british i was also gonna say if we just assume that this is an alternative universe of our own there is no burning man and it is in fact burning lad but it does also make sense to me that agatha just refuses to call it that. <laughs> all right we've got some very excellent in-universe explanations for this that don't have anything to do with looking up copyright laws so yeah I like that. Speaking, I guess, speaking of Burning Man and Agatha. So she's she was going to go. She has tickets. She's skipping this to go to this terrible cult retreat with Ginger. And like, I don't want to go all the way into that right now, unless you want to. But like, mostly I just want to say that Ginger owes Agatha forever for this change of plans. Like, yeah. What a terrible trade-off. Yeah, if Agatha needs a kidney, Ginger needs to, like, do whatever test you need to do if you need a kidney. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I would hate Burning Man, and I still am like, oh my god, what a terrible, terrible friend move Ginger has made here. I think I think if I had gone, like, ten years ago, I might have been really into it. But I think even then it was a lot of money, and part of me's like, do I want to be in the middle of the desert surrounded by white people doing drugs? That sounds terrible, but, <laughs> and they're probably kind of expensive. I feel like it's expensive to go to Burning Man. I've never looked into how much it costs to go to Burning Man. Cause it just, 
Everything I hear about it sounds like equal parts beautiful and like horrifyingly overwhelming to me. So I've just, I'm like that. Cool. Yeah. I will peripherally learn about this and will never look into it because I would never. <laughs> Too much going on. Yeah, that's fair. That is fair. Yeah, it's probably uh, just a stimuli nightmare feeling. Mm-hmm. Anyway, okay. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, I think it's your turn. Uh, I just love how both Penny and Baz are like, if something happens to this airplane, Simon can just fly it. Can just fly me out. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I guess I don't think you guys know anything about how this how the stratosphere works. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what do you mean? Uh, it's very cold, and I think maybe like I don't know. It just feels like it would be very uncomfortable to be flying unprotected like three miles off of the ground. Yeah. I'm sure that it would be. I still think he would be able to save them. Yeah. I mean, obviously. I was going to ask if you would be if you would be more comfortable in airplanes if you had a winged friend along with you. I think I'd be more comfortable in airplanes if I had magic to be like, no, we're going to land this plane safely. Actually, I have a whole thing about this in. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> I have a we whole thing in this just puts us fantasy about this. <laughs> Excellent. So, you know, uh, Rainbow Rowell does a lot of, like, really detailed descriptions of what people are doing with their bodies and their faces and their movements and stuff a lot. Mm -hmm. It's part of what makes her a really good writer. And I find that sometimes I don't understand, like, my brain will trip over them sometimes or something. Like, I will, I realize that there are certain ones that every time I read it, I find that I'm, like, trying to recreate what she's describing, like, with my own face as I'm reading it. And... So I had one in this chapter, which is when Ginger pauses to bite her bottom lip and squish up her nose like she's about to say something really important. And I just like sat there for a while being like, what does that mean? Like, what does that look like? What does that feel like to do with my face? And I just wanted to uh, ask the listeners if they also do this. Will you please tell me, do you do this, Jesse, when you're reading these books? Uh, I think it depends on what is being described. Because I feel like the expression that it is described Ginger having is an expression that I... Nope, never mind. I don't know. I, I feel like I just had it, but now that I'm on the spot, it's weird. Never mind. Um, I don't know. I, I, think it's, I think sometimes it depends. I feel like sometimes with, like, body movement, it's sometimes I'm just kind of like, I don't... I still don't quite understand where where what's happening. Yeah. I mean, I think that it's all I guess I want to clarify. I don't think that it's like something about the writing that makes me be like, I don't know what that means. So much as my brain is just like, oh, that's a very detailed description of something someone's doing with their face. Can you do that with your face? And then I'm like, I don't know. Can I? Is this what it means? And I just get kind of like stuck in it. I think this is. I think this is seriously why there should be a like I don't know graphic novel uh, adaptation of this of these series. Uh, yeah, they would really lend themselves to that. Just petition for it to be done by someone who accepts our head canons about <laughs> the characters. <laughs> yes. Um, I really love the part where Baz says that he's going to leave one of his old football shirts at Simon's house because Simon will wear anything he has on, he finds on the floor. And Baz, I don't know if Baz is like sick of seeing Simon and Agatha's old sports teams or if he's just sort of like 
and not jealous but maybe like envious like uh, i just i just want to see him in like my old sports jerseys and i just think it's great i just love it oh yeah i 100 percent assumed it was uh envy and i was just thinking or badge you could just give it to him. you could just give one to him. <laughs> right or yeah just leave it on the floor of his bedroom <laughs> It's the next book, right, where we see that Baz has, like, cultivated an entire wardrobe of clothes that are, quote-unquote, his that he intends for Simon to wear. And, like, Simon's slowly cottoning on over the course of the book to being like, this wouldn't even fit Baz. Like, why does he even have <laughs> Baz? <laughs> Baz is a good sneaky boyfriend. That's all I can say. Yeah, it's very cute. Um, and then my last thing here is just, fellas, is it gay to fly economy? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the answer is yes. Yes. It's uh been canonized by Wayward Son. Flying an economy makes you gay. So <laughs> I see a little silhouette of a man. Welcome to I See a Little Silhouetto of a Man, where we talk about character development. I think we should start with Agatha. I agree. So, uh, Agatha is seriously removed herself from magic and has a normal roommate and a normal job and is kind of living her life like she's in a 90s indie film. (laughs) She really is. Just hanging out on the edge of parties with her friend Ginger and being feeling adrift and like no one understands. And it's just, I just, I feel very happy for her because it's a very lowercase n normal late teens, early 20s vibe to be having. And I'm, I mean, I'm happy for her to have that. Yeah. I mean, not for long as we find out in the next two books. But. I mean, you know, she's trying to make a clean break for magic and she's doing a pretty good job. Yeah. I feel like there's something about Agatha's character. Like, she's clearly not happy. She's, like, kind of melancholy. But she's totally at peace with where she is in a way that I find really great. Like, it just makes her character feel so compelling to me. She's like, yeah, I'm... 15% activated. I'm an inert organism. (laughs) Like, I don't fucking like anybody. All I want to do is, like, eat tacos and, like, you know, probably judge people from the corner of the room. And I am fine with that. It's just really, it's really nice. I I fucking love her character so much. Right. And I think, yeah, I'm also just really happy for her that, I mean, Ginger is also such a, a weirdo. And I mean that in a very loving way. Because of all of the kind of woo-woo stuff she's into. Yeah. Uh, And I just feel like it's great because you're not just going to have like random terrible small talk with people like that. It's always going to be super weird. And whether you care about it or not, it's still so much more interesting than being like, oh, you got an accent. So where are you from? You know, kind of crap that Agatha, you know, could be talking about. (laughs) Yeah, I get the sense that Ginger is the kind of person who, like, can't always 
tell when people are like just placating her or even maybe like teasing her about the the like woo woo stuff that she gets really into but not in i don't mean that in any way like negatively but i think it probably makes it really easy for agatha to hang out with her because she doesn't have to have like full buy-in she just has to genuinely want to be around ginger and she does so like they probably i don't know get high or like drink margaritas and just hang out right they're just like on the beach or whatever. They're like, right, going to, I'm sure, the many delicious taco stands that they are going to. Yeah, it sounds great. Yeah, using like low VOC organic nail polish for the, the mani-pedis that she always wanted to be doing with Penny. Or not really, but with her friends in England. Mm-hmm. So she tells us that she wishes that she wanted to kiss Ginger um, and that it would feel like an answer to the question of her. And she could be like, oh, that's what's been going on. Like, I'm just gay. Which feels like an, an entry into our aromantic Agatha chart, whatever. Yeah. You know, I think it's really, I think it's really beautiful. Like, her openness, I think, is really beautiful. Also, the way that she can say that, where it's like it, it would be an answer to a question but it doesn't feel like that question is necessarily like eating at her she's just like again this is just a thing that exists in my life but like i'm not overly invested in figuring it out yeah and also something about that line just makes me like extra happy about where we end up with agatha in a queer but still a romantic relationship at the end of the series yeah no for sure and like I'm trying to figure out how to say this. And I feel like it I feel like it makes sense as like Agatha is clearly like there's so many just like physically attractive people around Agatha. Mm-hmm. And it and but like for her it really has to be that sort of like sweet spot combination of like personality, but also like being known slash feeling known and being like someone who sort of knows about all of this bullshit with like Simon and her like life adjacent to this. And I think that that sort of friendship slash familiarity slash like emotional connection is actually, I think what I think is like the one that, that we like don't see in Agatha sort of being like, how come I don't feel the way that other people seem to be feeling about this, you know, mm-hmm. when I feel like, especially cause I feel like a lot of what we are told relationships are sort of based on if they're not platonic is like like a physical like attraction or like a physical response to someone right so i want to make sure that i'm following you what i feel like i heard in that is like a reading of agatha is maybe like aromantic and demisexual is that where you're feeling right now i mean i guess maybe i think that like the I feel like maybe like the the physical attraction attraction for Agatha is kind of like no I don't want to say like low on the list but like not it's not like the first or maybe even eighth thing that she's clocking about a person as like you know uh, that's kind of initiating a like you know romantic feeling response. Mm-hmm. I don't think that she and I don't, and I guess I don't, I'm like not saying this is like I guess I'm like trying to make an observation but maybe I'm not sure if I'm being very clear about. <laughs> No, you are. I'm just trying to see because we've, you know, we've talked about reading Agatha as aromantic and then probably not asexual, though. Um, And then we've heard from a lot of listeners who are like, I read Agatha as both aromantic and asexual. 
And I feel like what I'm hearing from you right now is leaning more towards demisexual, which I think makes a lot of sense. Because I guess I'm, I guess what I'm just like I guess trying to do is, is sort of compare what Agatha is telling us about Ginger, who I think we're getting from Agatha is hot, like a hot, kind, nice person who Agatha sort you know Agatha sort of like. You know, I wish I kind of wanted to kiss her. Would have really explained a lot, but like I really, I don't. You know, mm-hmm. and kind of comparing that with like Agatha's the sort of surprise feeling Agatha has for for Neve, which is sort of a like, oh yeah, used to play on the like Quidditch, no the Quidditch, Jesus, wrong book, <laughs> on the <laughs> lacrosse, on the lacrosse team, and it's being a like, oh I remember you, and it's like, oh something about this is really starting to click for. Yeah. Okay. So here's what here's what's going on in my brain right now is like in the situation with Ginger, like if we assume that Agatha is interested in sex but not interested in romance, she's going to be assessing whether or not she wants to kiss Ginger from a perspective of what that would mean about her relationship with Ginger. Mm. So even if she's like, she's super hot and I would enjoy having sex with her, she wouldn't necessarily read that as I want to kiss her because it like with Ginger, she would think it needs to feel more like something that it seems like Agatha doesn't feel. Yeah. um, Generally. Mm -hmm. Whereas with Neve, she's like, she's super hot and I would like to kiss her. She also isn't looking for the kind of emotional thing that I've always felt like I'm supposed to feel. And like, I really enjoy being around her. Like with Neve, it feels like, oh, we're coming at this from the exact same emotional place. Like, and we want to make out so we can like potentially go forward as like a romantic couple Mm. who like enjoy spending time together and fucking and like aren't looking for the romance aspect of anything else in the relationship that's a really good point does that make sense it does make sense yeah no that makes a lot of sense all right listeners specifically listeners who are asexual aromantic either or both etc please continue sending us your readings of Agatha as we explore her character because it just makes our readings better. Yeah. And we just have all this like lovely complexity with her character to like be exploring these things, which is just so lovely. I know. I I feel constantly surprised at how much I love Agatha as a character because I feel like, you know, at least in Carry On, she's not written as a character that I ever would intentionally hang out with. But I do feel like this new, like, grown-up, fucked off from magic and moved to San Diego, Agatha, is someone that I would become friends with at the outskirts of a party. <laughs> so. Yeah. Especially what you find out, she's, she's a cute dog. It'd be like, tell me about your dog. Show me photos of your dog on your phone. <laughs> All I want to do is hear about your dog. <laughs> Which is True. also definitely the kind of person that I am at parties because i always want to hear about people's animals (laughs) i'm like nothing's ever awkward when we're just excited about animals together it's such an easy way to uh have non-awkward interactions too because it's like oh 
I want to listen to you talk about your pet. You want to talk about your pet. No one has to fish for ways to talk about things. From here on out, we can just look at pictures of each other's cute animals. <laughs> yeah, I feel like always, always, always a good, a good, a good goat. Yep. Welcome to Face the Truth, where we talk about politics and things that are fucked up. So, okay, we get that Ginger is very hot, which I deeply appreciate. Mm. Um, What I don't appreciate is just sort of the list of Ginger's ethnicities standing in for a description of how hot she is. And I'm like, I don't think I needed that, actually. White people don't do that. Yeah, it's... It's weird, right? Yeah. And just like, also a little bit, like, there are average looking people who are Thai and Brazilian and stuff. Like, not everyone is a beautiful, supermodel looking person. Right. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's real, it's real weird. I was like, oh. Yeah, it definitely would have come across, like, just as, uh... Like, we would have gotten the same amount of, wow, she's hot, if it was just, like, she has curly brown hair and brown skin and freckles and the brightest eyes and the rosiest cheeks. Like, just take out that whole middle section that makes it feel very awkward, and you still, you, you, the, the reader is left with, I think, the same internal, like, inner eye picture of what Ginger looks like. Yeah. Yeah, and especially, I think, considering Ginger's sort of sort of vague feeling of like I don't really belong anywhere which I think is a thing that a lot of uh people who are mixed race have uh you know I feel like there could have you could have easily written that in about her ethnicities in a way where she was just like complaining about people like not getting her or like not understanding her like not feeling like she fits in because that is a big reason (laughs) to feel like you fit in even in the places even with your own family so Right. Yeah. So if you're looking yep. at not how to write a thing, here is a good example for everyone. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, yep. So Penny is like just massively violating Agatha's boundaries. And it like really sucks a lot. I feel like, you know, Agatha is doing a lot of you know just not replying to things but i think she's doing enough replying with very clear she's being very clear when she does reply of like i don't want this i don't want you to text i don't want you to call me i'm not going to write back to you like it's not like she's giving penny weird hints she's being very clear that she doesn't want this friendship to continue and penny is not listening to the point where she sent Agatha texts that go through when Agatha's phone is off. Like, that is... That's very bad behavior. Also, that sounds like literally the worst. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not 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 a good look for Penny. No. It really sucks. People are allowed to not want to be your friend. Yeah, even if there has been a pre-existing friendship, you know, it's okay to just be like, actually, I've moved, I've moved on with my life. I mean, I think... You know, in general, you 
owe people an explanation but like in this case it's not like oh penny you like did something wrong even that you know agatha wanted her to try and fix she's just like i left that life behind and you're a part of that like i need space from you and like everything that you stand for that's a legitimate reason i think she's right also like i don't think that penny like meaningfully cares about it from a like agatha standpoint i think she cares about it because she wants to keep things as they were which i deeply relate to mm-hmm. but yeah yeah uh i mean change change is hard um but as we'll see i feel like in a handful of chapters from now if not the next couple of chapters it sometimes i think that transition of change is a bit hard for penny yeah i agree Agatha has done a much better job of being clear with Penny than Micah has, though. Yeah. <laughs> Which we will get to when we get there. But Yeah, it's like, yeah, subtle hints aren't a thing that are going to work on Penny because someone being like, please stop talking to me isn't, isn't working. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. All right, what do you have next? Ginger, who uh, we don't actually hear, but I'm assuming is around Agatha's age of like 18 or 19 dating a dude who was 32 so he is at least 10 years her senior this is a box of red flags this is a like football field of just intricate of like perfectly spaced red flags yep yeah and there's also like a really intense like wealth and power disparity in their relationship oh right 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 where he's just like paying for everything and i get why maybe Ginger is fine with that, and Agatha's like, this is a little weird. Because, I mean, who doesn't want to get free shit from some, from, like, rich people? But, yeah, the, like, power and financial dynamics between someone who's, like, say, like, 19 and someone who's 32 in a, like, intimate relationship is often a recipe for disaster. And I dislike it tremendously. Especially... And he's in a cult. Like, it's just red flags all <laughs> over the fucking place. Yeah, no, it's 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 bad. That's a bad age gap to have. You know, 10 years is not necessarily a bad age gap to have in a relationship at any time. But, like, what an age gap means changes the older you get. And kind of, like, w- the place that you are in in your life. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, if, even if Ginger was, like, 25 or like 28 and he was like 10 years older it's still be kind of like what's wrong with that dude but i think the kind of ginger would have more life experience to kind of sort of suss out herself ideally like the sort of red flags and the power dynamics like kind of between that as opposed to you know not having as much life experience with this potentially and maybe not realizing that this isn't a cool exciting fun thing that it's actually sort of a like crit like a kind of like cringe yeah thing because like the ways in which a 30 a rich 32 year old could take advantage of a poor 19 year old is a lot it's fast yeah totally agatha is correct whatever he wants from ginger it is almost certainly in some way not necessarily predatory but like something that she's giving and he's taking that he can't like meaningfully reciprocate Mm -hmm. probably it is just like she looks good on his arm but it could also be like 
I mean, he's in a weird cult, so maybe he's, like, testing shit. <laughs> I mean, he's in a weird cult, or maybe he's just, like, not emotionally at a place where people who are older would recognize that it's, like, you're a little bit emotionally immature or manipulative or just, like, you need to go to therapy. But if you're, like, 19 or 20, like, this guy's, like, real cool. It's, like, we're but you know? He's just, Yeah, exactly. Like... Um, do you want to take a, a heart? Wait, no. Did I bring that up? I brought that up. It's your turn. Oh. Um... I guess I was going to keep this kind of heavy and just be like, please don't drink only beet juice. <laughs> I'm like, Ginger, I think you have an eating disorder. It's not just California healthy if you're only eating like grains and beet juice. Well, we don't know what she's eating. Yeah. We just know that that's the only thing she drinks, hopefully in addition to water. Hopefully but... in addition to water. Okay. I guess I maybe just turned that as like only beet juice and not. No, because like... we see her eating a quinoa bowl or being served a quinoa bowl. Yeah. Okay, fair. Anyway, everyone, drink water. <laughs> Don't drink, drink water. only beet juice, which actually does sound very blah. Anyway. All right. So, not so heavy. What is this? <laughs> okay. So, I was going to say we should uh, do a hard pivot to the laws about magical counterfeiting. Oh, good. That's, that's also my last thing. So apparently, I mean, I'm not an economist, but Baz says that that they would throw the international economy into chaos if they bought things with magic. And I just don't think that's true. I I feel this is actually very optimistic because, A, the world economy is made up. It's just rich people making shit up. And number two, if cryptocurrency and NFTs have taught us anything, it like literally doesn't fucking matter. Like... If Penny had brought their fucking plaintiffs with with made up bitcoins, like it wouldn't have made it it wouldn't have mattered, you know? No. Exactly. I like I just like I maybe in a time when magical counterfeiting meant, you know, there's actual like precious metal in the coins and it's backed by the gold standard and so like the printing of money actually meant something, but at least in the US it hasn't meant anything in a long time. Um, and I mean, I don't understand how any of this works anyway, but I know it like literally doesn't matter at this point. It's just like, yeah, I've seen enough TikToks where they say that you literally can just print more money to know that that's probably true. So for fuck's sake, they should, you just, just counterfeit all the money you want magically. Just fucking do it. I just also just like how that's like one of the big magical. It's like really that. That's... Like this is the thing we can all agree on is that we all have to fucking actually participate in capitalism if we want money to eat and pay our bills. Who lied to you? <laughs> how did you end up in this terrible situation? Yeah, it's very it's very weird and funny, and apparently it also doesn't matter because it's not like Penny gets into trouble for doing any of this shit anyway. So. No, and we see, like, at the end of the next book, she's still just, like, magically paying for everything. And it's unclear if the people that are supposed to be receiving the money that she's getting are getting screwed over by what she's doing or not. But assuming that they're not, I think she should continue indefinitely. Yeah, I mean, if you could magically do it where, like, you're just creating money that is indistinguishable from whatever is printed by the UK Treasury, then... He gives a fuck. I mean, it's, it's electronic money that she's creating anyway. Literally you know? just numbers. Like, I, yeah. don't, I don't know. Like, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. 
Sorry, I'm still thinking about like magical cryptocurrency. They could call it Mage Coin. <laughs> oh, jeez. All right. Sorry, everyone. Sorry. <laughs> We're going to leave this politics section off with a light note. We're not. I actually want to talk about homophobia. Sorry. All right. No, that's fine. Womp womp. <laughs> we, see, uh, we see Simon having a lot of feelings about being clocked as gay in public mm-hmm. and i don't know it's uh obviously sucks but also it's interesting to watch him sort of i think it's feels more interesting to me to like watch simon traverse that while he still hasn't sort of like figured out and doesn't necessarily care to figure out what's actually going on with his sexuality he's still like dealing with the implications of queerness out in the world yeah and i like that we see this sort of like oscillating uh in terms of his reactions where he's like for fuck's sake like i should be able to just do this and then like oh someone is having a reaction maybe i'm the one that like should change what i'm doing yeah i'm not sure how clearly any of that came out but no 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 it is it is very it is very interesting right because uh I mean, the first time we get it is from Baz's perspective, where he's or Baz himself is just like, ugh, <laughs> about it. Because he's the kind of person to be like, fuck you guys. Like, fuck you, yeah. you homophobic old lady. Now I'm going to yeah. put my tongue in my boyfriend's mouth in front I of know, you. I know. I was about to say, <laughs> Baz would like totally like open mouth kiss Simon while looking that lady in her eyes. <laughs> yes, he sure would. And bless him for it. Right. Yeah, I mean, to have that kind of confidence, I guess, you know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and so we get that. But then we get, you know, in Summer's perspective where he's just like, oh, in economy class, if me and Bez are touching, like, we're just, we have to touch. So no one can complain about it. Right. Even though it's like, fuck those people still. But I'm glad that you're excited about it, Simon. Yeah. You know. Welcome to Caught in a Landslide, where we rant about stuff. So Agatha tells us that now next is a social club. It's like Weight Watchers for rich men, which feels a lot like telling men who are talking to you about cryptocurrency that it's like Cole's cash. And <laughs> I think it's great. Yeah. Oh, man, I should. Actually, I guess I don't talk to people in real life anymore. So, But if I do again. <laughs> I will make sure to say that. Apparently it's very successful. It's from a a TikTok, this dude who makes lists of ways to piss off men. Someone's doing the Lord's work, truly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll link it in the show notes, but I I didn't want to search back through my TikToks to find the the one in question. Um, but I wanted to make sure I was thinking of the right thing. So I just Googled like cryptocurrency Kohl's cash. And it was like, here's a bunch of articles about how people are like making men angry by comparing <laughs> cryptocurrency to Kohl's cash. So apparently it's taken off. It's very that. successful. And as little as I know about both cryptocurrency and Kohl's cash, it's not wrong. Yeah. Like if you mine crypto, you earn crypto 
And if you spend money at Kohl's, you earn money at Kohl's. And all of the things are sort of fake and only exist inside the world they exist inside of. So I think cryptocurrency is actually kind of like Kohl's cash. I mean, it kind of is. Yeah, it's like, I don't know, trying to like get more Neo points, except as opposed to paying like solitaire, you're destroying the environment. Uh-huh. So. <laughs> In both cases, one through fast fashion and one through ungodly amounts of power requirements. Yeah. Yeah, actually, just because Agatha says that now next is like Weight Watchers for Men, I just sort of... I just have, I put in my notes, like Soylent is just slim fast, but for men. Uh-huh. Uh, but also worse than slim fast because uh, I don't, Soylent isn't made in a food, like a warehouse. And it isn't made like the way that food should be manufactured because it's Ooh, all like by like startup tech bros. And this came to light just because of how, how many comments in the Soylent Reddit were people being like, this like tastes weird slash is moldy slash is off. This is fine though, right? And it's like, no, no, it's not fine. Weird. Don't consume that, please. <laughs> it's creepy. Yeah, it, yeah. Anyway, I just think we should all take a moment to appreciate what would happen if Agatha said to the men of Now Next, oh, it's like Weight Watchers for rich men. <laughs> 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 they definitely would have kicked her out on the first day which would have solved a lot of problems that's <laughs> true so many issues she still would have had time to go to burning lead <laughs> she would <sighs> I think it's your turn oh uh okay so I want to talk about there's this interesting little like paragraph that we get when Agatha is talking about kind of like passing as normal and being like, oh, even though I had like normal friends, I like didn't realize there was all this stuff that normals that I just don't know how to do that like that makes me stand out some. And it's like I didn't know how to tie my shoes and everyone else does because I like I know a spell to tie my shoes, which for the record sounds awesome. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, And I don't know. I just... I guess I just really like this section of just being like, oh, well, I, I didn't expect to stand out in this way when I, like, cut ties from the magical world. And I just think you could apply any number of ways in which you might feel like this <laughs> in IRL. And it's just kind of nice to just to be like, oh, there are things I, there are so many small things about being a, 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 a normal that I just didn't know. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it's not just not having magic. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just like that bit. That's all. Yeah, I agree. I think it's really interesting. I got kind of stuck on the part where she's like, I didn't know how to tie my shoes, so I just leave them tied or wear sandals. And I was like, pretty sure you could YouTube that, like, really easily. (laughs) But okay, just don't learn how to tie your shoes. That's fine. I mean, if you're in California, I also would just wear sandals. That's, That's fair. All right. So we get... This, these two like back-to-back moments, one in Baz's chapter and then in Simon's chapter where Baz goes to touch Simon and then Simon not intentionally turns away before Baz can and then the same in reverse in Simon's chapter. And I don't know, it's just like really good and also just like the feeling in my body both times that it happens is like, no! <laughs> <laughs> 
just, just no, just touch, just connect. I just want it so bad. But obviously this reaction that I'm having is exactly the point. So well done. Yeah, I know. It's just like, oh, so close. <laughs> also, you can still go through. You don't have to stop. You have, you have to wait for an opening. <laughs> they think they do, though. I these know. silly boys. It makes me sad. Um. Okay. <laughs> so there's this piece from Simon where he's like, one time this girl with a nose ring gave us dirty looks for being gay in public. And like, if you can't trust people with nose rings, who can you trust? And Baz is like, I don't think that she was being homophobic. Like, I think that's just her face. And I was like, this is like literally every time I see other queer people in public, I'm like, am I doing the like greetings fellow queers look correctly? Or do they think that I am like scowling at them because I don't ever know what my face is doing. And I like panic about it. And I was like, I'm going to go ahead and guess that, septum ring girl was actually like hooray gay boys and then was like oh no am i overdoing that and then ended up scowling and then simon was like homophobia and like she's probably laying in her bed somewhere being like god damn it i did it wrong (laughs) yeah no i i also i also thought the exact same thing because especially i feel like when especially when you just have a lot of signifiers that it's like i am a queer person (laughs) Uh, I feel like your kind of like resting face has to be a little bit like fuck off, don't fuck exactly. Me. Yeah. Uh, so I just kind of assume people like that, where I'm like, I know you're queer, but your face is like that because we are both in this very normal setting, and you don't want anyone to say anything <laughs> to you either. But I clock you, so yeah. I always assume when I see a queer person who just kind of making a sort of like, you know, a resting face that's a little bit like don't fucking talk to me. That like, you know, I get it. Mm-hmm. don't fuck i don't want anyone to talk to me either so. <laughs> yeah exactly uh simon will learn i think yeah he's just feeling he's just feeling really sensitive about it now yeah hopefully as he gets more queer friends moving forward into the world that would be good too yeah and i think once he feels better about himself too i just had a like what if 10 years after the end of any way the wind blows Simon and Baz and Penny's old roommate and her pixie girlfriend (laughs) all like run into each other and end up becoming really good friends. And Penny is like irate because she's never going to forgive her for, you know, being a quote unquote bad roommate when they were in high school. And you know who's going to laugh a whole lot about that? Agatha. (laughs) Uh huh. Oh my God. Yes, I want, this is a sitcom that I would like to watch, actually. <laughs> yeah, me too. Agatha and Neve like, occasionally will hang out with them, but mostly just because Agatha feels obligated and Neve is like, you literally never have to feel obligated to do anything. And Agatha's like, when I'm the, like, less antisocial one in a relationship, something is deeply wrong, but I love you, so it's fine. <laughs> they, like, they stop by for, like, half an hour and are like, well, gotta go feed the dogs, gotta go take care of the goats, gotta go let the rabbits... Like, they're just like, we have all these animals, so we gotta go, sorry. <laughs> yep, exactly. Whether they have to let any animals out at all, that's just always their excuse. <laughs> Uh, and yeah, shout out to anyone who uses that as an excuse to get out of parties. I see you and I acknowledge, I acknowledge you. So. <laughs> I'm also looking at you, directly at you, Lars. <laughs> I know, I appreciate it. I was about to say. 
Welcome to I'm Just a Poor Boy, where we talk about ways you can support our podcast. But actually, today, we're just going to thank you for your support because it's, I think, January 4th, the day that this comes out, which means that it's three days past our third birthday. (gasps) Yay! Right? Yeah. Hashtag Ruthless has been around since New Year's Day 2019. (sighs) We were all different then. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's such a different world. <laughs> uh, I know. Um, but yeah, so just like thanks everyone who listens and who follows us on social media. And if you support us financially, thank you so much also. But like every single one of you who's hearing these words is making this project possible. So yeah, we love you very much for supporting us yelling about gay shit <laughs> into your ears uh it's it's just it's really just a, a pleasure and a privilege to be able to do that so thanks everyone yeah and happy birthday us Woo! Welcome to Sends Shivers Down My Spine, where we talk about sexy stuff. I think the only thing that I have is that I have to want everyone to know just how hot ginger is. Mm. <laughs> Look, it's my, it's my thing. Yeah. And she sounds really hot. Yeah, I would listen to a lot of woo stuff if I was just looking at a hot person. <laughs> <laughs> Especially in my 20s. Are you kidding me? Oh, Yeah. Fair. If somebody, if somebody gets into weird things like chemtrails and like being an anti-vaxxer before even the pandemic stuff, I'm like, actually, I'm good on that. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know. Um, my only thing here is just I want to make sure that we've all acknowledged that when Baz says that he, quote unquote, can't magic himself more space because he's saving his magic in case he has to save the plane <laughs> When it crashes, it's actually just because he wants an excuse to have his knees rammed into Simon's. Yeah? Probably. Okay. Because he is not saving his magic to float like a butterfly the entire plane. Yeah, I think we've established that magic doesn't work like that for him in general. So, a very handy excuse. Yeah. He just needs, he just wants, he just wants to snuggle. Mm -hmm. It's cute. All right. Uh, Do you have a kiss kill improvise? I do. So, uh, we only really meet one new person in this chapter. So, the Kiss Kill Improvise for today is between uh, beet juice, avocado toast, and a quinoa bowl. Nice. All right. (laughs) Great. Got it. So, I'm going to kiss avocado toast, obviously. I'm a millennial. Also, it's delicious. Uh, I'm going to improvise with beet juice because it is in fact maybe my favorite color to look at okay uh you can use it to dye things you can use it to make kvass which is delicious i could make borscht which is probably also delicious if i made it well i've had some hit and miss experiences eating borscht in my life but like it's got so many different kinds of applications right not just eating Mm -hmm. and i feel like 
in general, a quinoa bowl is too dry and doesn't taste like anything. And you have to put so much hot sauce and so much salt on it. So just fucking kill it. Yeah, no, I get that. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I just always feel weird buying quinoa in a I'm just like, I could just make this in my house. Uh-huh. Yep. Great. All right. Awesome. Is this just fantasy? Welcome to Is This Just Fantasy, where we talk about magic and science and magical science. All right. So I'm going to start things off with, I think, to the surprise of no one, um, plane crashes. (laughs) (laughs) And... Because our gang is a little bit concerned about, like, or at least, you know, Simon a little con- Simon and Baz are a little concerned about being able to, what kind of magic you would do if all of the engines failed or if the plane, like, fell out of the sky and whatever. Which is very cute. But as someone who has intense flight anxiety, and one of the things they recommend you doing for that is to read up about how planes work and mm-hmm. about things like engine failure. Mm-hmm. Um, which works to a variable degree it's still it's not a rational fear so i can't rationalize my my way out of my fear but it does mean that i know a little bit about plane crashes uh and so number one is that like a commercial jet engine usually has between like four and six engines depending on how big your plane is if you're like in those like little tiny planes i mean you can see where the engine is but if you're like going to a national international airport like they're going and going over the ocean you're in a big ass jet so even if one engine fails even if two engine fails you're gonna be fine and like the engines don't fail really it's like either the plane runs out of gas which also rarely happens there like you could look it up and just see how often it happens in a commercial jet or after takeoff or close to takeoff it's like a bird goes through the engine and it shuts off automatically. So, mm-hmm. but planes still fly. Like they're built to withstand having some of their engines. That's why they're so, I mean, it's a big, it's a big plane, but, um, and then also, even if somehow freak like one in a billion chance of like all of the engines going out, I mean, planes are built to glide. Like it's not just going to fall out of the sky because it's built to, it's built to fly. It's going to glide. For a Mm -hmm. really long time. And the higher up you are. I just learned this today. The farther it glides. So. Mm. I mean. Being over in the ocean. Would still be. That would be a very shitty time. For everyone involved. But. You would just sort of. The pilot would just sort of. Glide the plane down. You Mm -hmm. know. In a very terrible emergency landing. But. So. (laughs) So really. I think the. The gang is. I understand the concern. But. I don't think they would need any kind of. Magical plane. Repair spells. For this though i did come up with some possible spells that if you were in a plane that for reason isn't, isn't flying anymore how you would potentially keep that plane going i'm very curious to hear what they are all right so i think number one is uh wind beneath my wings mm-hmm. just for i think the like utter pop culture saturation of that song and at least that title means that i think it definitely has enough uh collective juice to be a spell Mm-hmm. Um, and the same with as much as I'm loath to, to admit this, I believe I can fly. Oh yeah. Maybe not like maybe not 2021 mages because we're all trying to even you know we're all trying to be like actually we cannot play that song anymore. 
But 2019, I mean, just the amount of, like, graduations and shit this song is played at, let alone, uh, like, the radio play and, like, parties and, like, just, you know. I mean, yeah, that and at least at my elementary school, there were, like, joke versions of it that we would all sing at during recess that had, like, varying levels of, like, dirtiness. <laughs> yeah, the at least in our age group, I feel like. Anyone who was old enough to, like, see Space Jam when it came out in the theater, that song would have a lot of power behind it. I mean, I think even even since then, though, just because, I mean, I didn't even remember it was in the Space Jam soundtrack until you said that right now, just because of how <laughs> ubiquitous the song yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah. And definitely. I think you could just, I mean, have never heard Wind Beneath My Wings and still know it's a song. And yep. have heard that referenced. Yep. Um, I'm pretty sure we're both thinking about that line from Something Blue. <laughs> Definitely are. Yep. And if you, listener, also are thinking of that line from Something Blue, may I remind you that we have a Buffy podcast on Patreon called We Are the Gayers, and it's great. You should totally check it out. Yeah. So, yeah. Cool. I do want to say, I don't think anyone except maybe Simon was legitimately concerned about needing plane preserving oh, spells. Yeah. I think Baz was teasing Simon and then Simon got freaked out because he'd never been on a plane before, which is fair. Even though out of all of them, considering he has, I mean, I guess I've been magicked away right now, but he has, yeah. he's the person who should be least concerned. Yeah. Although none of them need to be concerned. I am going to just take the audio clip of you explaining about how planes don't crash and how you don't need to be worried about it and i'm gonna send that just that little piece to you to play for yourself when you're gonna get on a plane to like come visit me for instance when covid's over you mean 10 years from now (laughs) uh, yeah then if you listen to it enough between now and 10 years from now next time you get on a plane it'll be like fucking nothing i mean I I know I like I know this thing in my logical brain, but it's not a logical brain that is like you are in a metal can, so high above the ground. <laughs> yeah. Why are you doing this to yourselves? <laughs> this is not the way that mammals are supposed to. This is not where you should be at. So. Yep. You know, my only thing for this section today is just going to be asking you, how activated are you? <sighs> I mean, I gotta, I gotta be honest. I'm probably activated like 3%. <laughs> three percent. Three percent. See, three percent. All right. Very, very unactivated. That's fair. Especially after eating a fast food burrito today. <laughs> <laughs> uh, definitely too many free radicals. Oh no, I'm sorry. <sighs> <sighs> All right. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of Escape from Reality, part the second, Gayward Sun edition. Next time we will be reading chapters seven, eight, and nine. This podcast and our other podcasts, The Gaily Prophet and We Are the Gayers, are all creations of hashtag Ruthless Productions and are produced, mixed, and edited by me. If you like this entire podcast, you should rate and review us on iTunes, ideally. Uh, tell your friends about our podcast and check us out on the internet we're on instagram and twitter at the gaily prophet and our website is hashtag ruthless.com yeah and if you want to check out our aforementioned patreon we are at patreon.com slash the gaily prophet you can get all sorts of 
Escape from Reality related things, some Harry Potter things, some Buffy things, some things that are related to none of those things. All of them are great though, so totally check it out if you want to throw us some of your disposable income. We'd appreciate it. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Jesse underscore Detroit or on Instagram if you want some high quality cat content <laughs> at Live from Detroit. I can be found on Instagram at Lark Malachi or on my website, which is larkmalachi.com. Uh, the music in our theme song is by Kevin McLeod. The rest of the music is Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen. And until next time, Scott a moosh. moosh.